Hey, what's up? Welcome to Mix in America. Today I have with me a guest who I knew from uh, back in the day. I don't know. It doesn't seem like that long ago when we were in college, but uh, my college roommate for a couple of years, Chris Villalobos, is joining me today. Uh, interesting perspective, uh, mostly on this podcast. It's been black and white uh, when talking about race, because that's what I know, because that's what I am. Um, but I'm going to bring in a different perspective today. He is Hispanic. I'll let you. I'll let him tell you about his heritage and everything. But uh, LVC, as he is affectionately known to those of us that lived on Kingsman freshman year, um, and actually I think a lot more people now. But why don't you say hi, LVC? Thanks for joining me. Yeah, hi. I'm glad to be here. It's good to good to be on. <laughs> All right. So LVC is Las Vegas Chris because we had two Chris's on our floor freshman year. Uh, we just gave you the name LVC. Well, I think we just Las Vegas Chris went to LVC, took on a whole persona, right? We don't need to go into all that, but uh, <laughs> people still call you LVC. Do you still, you still trying to. Uh, I, I still get some people who call me LVC. It's it. Some people still call me LVC for sure. Not, not as much as I used to, because that for a while, that was the only thing I was ever, ever called. So like to hear anyone call me Chris was weird, but now I get a good, good variety of some people who call me LVC, but not, not, not quite so much anymore. I suppose in the workplace and stuff, people probably call you Chris. That's a more normal yeah, thing to do. I get yeah. Chris and Christopher too, which is, is, is Christopher. Different. I don't even yeah. think of you as a Christopher. That's weird. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> <my> birth name. <laughs> yeah. Which is an interesting fact, right? You don't have a middle name because your parents decided that Christopher Villalobos was long enough. Is that right? That's correct. <laughs> Although none also, of them have, my mom has a middle name, but none of my, and no one else, like on my dad's side of the family, has a middle name. So I don't know. I guess it just okay. was a, which seemed odd to me. But yeah, I feel like Latinos usually have a lot of names, but maybe not so much in America. What did what did we call you in college? It was Christopher Alejandro San Antonio Villalobos or something like that. Like we just mm -hmm. threw a bunch of names in there. Just to, yeah. I remember using that a couple of times. Um, anyways. <laughs> Villalobos is the coolest last name ever, though. I, I know we've talked about this before, but it mean, literally means Village of the Wolves, right? Or House of Wolves? Yeah. yeah. House of Wolves, Village of the Wolves, depending on yeah. how you translate it. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is awesome, by the way. Um, so let's talk a little bit. Sorry, we'll actually get going a little bit. Let's talk <laughs> about um, just your ethnicity, your heritage. I know, um, I think we called you Guadarican, which maybe is offensive. Maybe we shouldn't say that. But why don't you talk a little bit about... Um, you, where your parents are from, your heritage, and then what, what was it like for you growing up in Las Vegas or outside of Las Vegas um, with your heritage? Yeah, yeah. No, um, I mean, I still refer to myself as a Guadarican, so that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, no, my um, Guatemalan, Puerto Rican family, um, my mom was born and raised in Guatemala, so she didn't move to the States until she was in her uh, late 20s. Um, and my dad's side of the family is, is Puerto Rican. So, you know, my, my grandfather was born there, um, grew up, you know, my son, my dad was born in New York. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I was born in LA, LA area. So Los Angeles, so that's kind of where I spent the first 12 years of my life. So I grew up with, um, a pretty large, like surrounded by my family, like my family, like extended family. So I was always surrounded by a lot of um, Puerto Rican people. And so um, family life was, you know, every major holiday or birthday, you know, Mother's Day, like whatever, it was just like a big family 
event with, you know, like 30 to 50 family members. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I grew up definitely very intertwined with my, um, Latino heritage and, um, you know, particularly my, my Puerto Rican side of the family, just cause that's, you know, my mom is the only one out here from her family. So grew up very closely, you know, with that, that background. Um, and so that was kind of just part of my life. I mean, I, you know, in school, I mean, I grew up not in like a, not really a great area. So like, I mean, it was very much like a very multicultural part of LA, um, in Paramount, um, which I don't know if anybody really knows where that is, but it's, it's Compton adjacent, as I like to say, just to throw in some street cred. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not really, but, um, but yeah, so anyway, just very kind of multicultural thing. And, you know, went to school there again with various people from all kinds of backgrounds. And, um, when my family moved to Las Vegas, I think that's kind of where, uh, things changed a little bit for me just because it was no longer like my family and, you know, this huge, like extended family. It was just kind of my, my immediate family, my grandparents, um, my uncles also ended up living there. But as far as like all those like extended, like first, second cousins and all of those (laughs) tree branches, um, not so much around anymore. So growing up in Vegas, I mean, really just kind of, was not uh, outside of my family. I mean, it was really not so, not quite my area was really not so diverse. So it was just a lot of kind of grew up surrounded by a lot of white people. I mean, there's definitely, definitely people from other backgrounds. I mean, it, it's not like it, it wasn't just, I wasn't the only like Hispanic kid in my school. Definitely not. But, um, you know, it was just more of a middle, upper middle class kind of upbringing um, as far as going to school. And the, and the sort of people that I was kind of surrounded with. Um, so I had a lot of just kind of, I think the, it was just a little bit different, I think. And so I think um, even just growing up in Vegas, I kind of found myself finding, uh, feeling a little out of place. And I think I like looking back at it now, I don't know that it was aside from just like those awkward, like teenage years of like trying to figure, figure yourself out. I think that certainly was like a big part of it, but um, also just kind of realizing like not quite just feeling a little, I think off um, famil- familially <laughs> in, in regards to like, just like family background um, and stuff. So, um, you know, it's definitely connected to a lot of cultures. I went to like a really big church in Vegas. That's, pretty well known and, you know, it was very, very multicultural, you know, people from all over the world, different backgrounds who went there for sure. Um, but I didn't necessarily personally feel as tied to, um, I guess like my, my, you know, Latino background, you know, I was, I grew up speaking, um, English and Spanish. I mean, English is my first language. Um, but, um, I think as I got older, I just didn't speak it as much. There wasn't as much need to, you know, and, you know, we primarily spoke English in the home, but, you know, my mom definitely still spoke to me in Spanish um, as well. And so 
I think in Vegas, I just kind of felt a little bit more disconnected than I did um, in California. And I think that kind of, I think that affected uh, the way I viewed the world a little bit um, going into college, I guess, and, and, and proceeding on from there. So I do want to talk about college a little bit, but first I want to go back because I, I almost, I kind of forgot that you were originally from Southern California. There's a lot of Hispanics there, mm -hmm. but they're Mexican for the most part, right? Was there a lot of other Puerto Ricans? And like you said, your family was Puerto Rican and your Guatemalan heritage didn't really come into play as much because your mom was the only Guatemalan that was there, right? You were with your Puerto Rican family? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I visited Guatemala. So like, I mean, I've, you know, was in, you know, like my, my grandmother, you know, would come over and stay as well periodically. So like I was connected to that side of the family just more distantly, you know, just because, yeah. you know, my ex all of my Guatemalan extended family were in Guatemala. So um, didn't really quite get to see them so much. But um, yeah, no, there, I mean, yeah, I mean, LA is definitely very, there's, I mean, there's really, there's a lot of everybody there, but yeah, yeah. there's definitely, definitely a lot of Mexicans. I mean, my best friend growing up, um was mexican um from i'm trying to remember, i think he was born in mexico i actually don't remember to be honest but um but yeah like just a, a neighbor friend that like my first friend ever uh <laughs> just happened to be you know my best friend um yeah and you know he was just mexican close family friend and um yeah. is there much of like a I don't want to say not there because there's definitely a distinction, but I mean, like when you get together with, or when you just see other Hispanics, like even if they're Mexican or they're Puerto Rican, like, is there a disconnect or is it like culturally because we speak the same language because we're both Latino, we, we automatically click. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I would say there's definitely, there's definitely differences. I mean, I think, yeah. I think there's a there's a connection in the sense of like you come from this same similar sort of background um that's not you know like the majority white uh you know background so i think there's a <laughs> there's definitely a connection there but i mean there's certainly just a lot of just cultural differences linguistically even just like yeah. the slang that you use and things like that are just kind of different um but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think there's also just a lot of um, little. I think there's just a lot of like rivalry among okay. <laughs> the different yeah. um, Latin American countries and just jokes and things that just you know there's just little. Just I don't even know what to uh, <laughs> just stuff you know that people yeah. are like oh you know. Puerto Rican people are this way or yeah, <laughs> you know, Mexican people are this way. Like, it's just, I think there's some, some rivalry there, but I, yeah. So it's just kind of a, it's a mixed bag. I think of like feeling connected, but also kind of like, Oh, you're just a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So you talked about being in, in high school in Las Vegas, there was maybe a little bit more of a, a racial disconnection in the area that you lived in, but then coming to college, what was that like for you? Because, I, again, only knowing my perspective, um, going to school in Oklahoma, it's not like that South, but for, for being from Minnesota, it's pretty far South. Um, but I noticed, um, and not, I don't even, I don't even think it's like a hateful way or a bad way. I just, 
I noticed a lot more like honestly segregation um, when I went to going down to school at ORU than I did growing up in Minnesota where, and again, I don't think it was like out of malice or, or out of hate or anything like that, but at ORU, I feel like the black people hung out together um, and kind of did their own thing. And I honestly don't notice what Hispanics did at ORU because I didn't pay attention to that as much. Did you see some of that? Did you notice some of that? I did notice. I, um, I did notice that. I uh, Actually, it's interesting because I don't, I think coming into ORU, <laughs> it was definitely, well, definitely different from from growing up in, in Las Vegas and Los Angeles. It's just, just the mere size of, of Tulsa, Oklahoma is, <laughs> um, it's just very different. So, yeah. um, and I was there for, I mean, I was even after school, like I was there for such a yeah. long time. I lived there until, like with college and the time I spent living there afterwards, probably about 12 years. Wow. And so I think, <laughs> I think my perception during school is maybe not as, um, aware of what was maybe happening in the rest of Tulsa and the rest of Oklahoma really um then and then it was like after you know actually working in in Oklahoma and like just kind of really experiencing the culture there but in school I definitely definitely noticed the segregation and I think that's something like for me like I just um I think part of it's just like connecting with people that you who are like from a similar background and that kind yeah. of understand you. And um, I think for myself, I always found, and this is, I think where I, I was kind of talking about, like, I feel like the Vegas in me kind of changed things a little bit. Cause I found that I didn't um, connect as well with, with Latino culture um, just because I didn't, I'd, I kind of had stopped speaking Spanish, you know, regularly. So like I wasn't as fluent as I once was and should be. Um, and for some of that, I, and I think just like out of just like kind of trying to blend blend in in some cases, um, whether I realize that's what I was trying to do or not, but just you know, be accepted in the, in the broader <laughs> culture of things. And so I think um, in school, like I didn't, like I'm trying to think through like the people that I knew and I definitely knew people from all kinds of different backgrounds, but like I wasn't super connected to any of the, you know, Spanish, you know, Latin American students um, per se. I mean, I definitely knew some and it were, were close with some of them. Um, but as far as like a large group of them, like I, I kind of didn't feel quite connected um you know just kind of felt a little bit on the outside on some of on some of those things is that why we connected so well because you thought maybe i was mexican because i get that a lot <laughs> think I'm, I, feel uh, like, I don't know in our group of friends like honestly like when i think like freshman year we're all getting to know each other right everybody is and i think that's why you do see people with this, with similar backgrounds will connect together because you don't know anybody at school right so you're trying yeah. to find something um we were the minorities in our group of friends for the most part, mm -hmm. right? It was, we had a lot of white, white friends. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if I ever consciously really thought about that maybe till later. Um, but did you think about that much? I don't, you know, I don't think I thought about it at the time. Like I, I think 
just like the new environment as a whole was just like just this whole like overwhelming <laughs> it was going by so fast like i don't think i i really like thought about it that deeply i mean i think probably more probably more on like a subconscious level maybe um i mean the i do remember i don't i mean i don't exactly remember the, in, the initial meeting with you but i mean i just initial thoughts about you meeting you just like trying to wonder i'm like oh i can't tell if if you're like, yeah, like, are you Latino in some way? Like that was definitely like something where it, I definitely thought about that, but I don't know that that was like the main reason or at least a conscious reason of like, <laughs> oh, I feel like I connect to you. But yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, we were kind of, yeah, we were the minorities in our friend group. I didn't, never really thought about it. Um, I guess I was conscious about it a little bit because I do remember just, when we would go places in a vehicle, just kind of recognizing and, and joking around about that. But um, yeah. yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know that it was yeah, super then I, When I drove, I let I made sure you sat in the front seat and the white people sat in the back. Right, yeah. do something like yes. that. <laughs> like, you guys, and you guys have been in the front seat long enough, you guys can sit in the back, that's fine. Yeah, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it wasn't, I didn't think of it as being like a conscious choice, but I mean, that yeah. probably was like a big part of it and I just didn't realize. Um, you're talking about racial identity a little bit, like high school, college, trying to figure out everything. And I think all of us, everyone is trying to figure out who they are, especially at that age. Um, how did your race, your culture, your heritage affect you finding your identity? Because um, like you said, you maybe, you know, stop speaking Spanish as much. Um, but you're, you actually know your, your heritage. You actually have like like you could have like a Puerto Rican flag, like up. Like I, I don't, I don't have a other than American. I don't really have any other like nation that I claim. Right. So how does how does your heritage actually like affect you finding your identity? Does that make sense? Yeah, I. Um, or does it? I think it. I mean, I think it does because I think there's a sense of just like wanting to there's a sense of like wanting to kind of know your, your his like, just like where you come from, um, where kind of where your family just kind of originates from and like how those sort of things like affect the way you learn to do stuff. Like, why do you, why does your family do things a particular way that they do them? Like, where does that come from? Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, now as an adult i would say like i definitely i it's a it's become more important to me than i think it was as like a, a teenager where like i felt like i just was my primary focus was like i'm just trying to like fit in with the the, the mass and the masses yeah. of people um and so as an you know as a how old am i now 34 year old man i'm trying to i find myself like really um trying to uh understand i guess some of that a little bit more but also like just the not just like my own like family like background immediate like like my immediate family like whatever but um i think just like the broader scope of like what does it mean you know to like what was the history of like Puerto Rico or Guatemala and like, what does it mean to like really be from some of those places? And yeah. Um, so I definitely find myself like wanting to, 
wanting and trying to like learn more, learn more about like some of those backgrounds that I just didn't necessarily know about just because it wasn't primarily like something my, my family wasn't necessarily like teaching me Puerto Rican and Guatemalan history per yeah. se. I'm sure like little things pop up here and there, but it wasn't like, you know, it's not like a, a thing, but now like I definitely, even just in like speaking Spanish and like, I'm trying to do that more intentionally um, in my life um, because I, it's important to me and I don't want to, I don't want to lose that. And I don't want, and I want to be able to, in the same way that like my mom and, and, and my to dad to a lesser extent, but like my grandparents as well, like ensure that like I was able to speak and understand Spanish. I want to make sure that I also can do that for my, my family, for, for my kids, you know, that I may have. Um, yeah. I don't want to, it's not something that I want to, I want to lose and just kind of like blend in. Yeah. So in Oklahoma, you said, you know, you talked about living there after a little while after, um, you know, ORU had its, we talked about that, but even outside of the bubble of ORU, the rest of Oklahoma, um, not a, I mean, well, Oklahoma has, maybe it's just still really segregated because I feel like Oklahoma is like not very diverse where we kind of were, but there's definitely right. a lot the big native population, obviously. Um, but then there, you go to the right part of Tulsa, there's definitely more black people than white people. So what was your experience with, with race after ORU in Oklahoma in, um, I don't know, was there any situations where you felt discriminated against, or you felt uncomfortable even, or, um, I guess, what was that like? Um, yeah, I, so I worked for, uh, mobile crisis team in Oklahoma um, as a licensed counselor. And so I worked, I mean, I was all over, all over Tulsa and the surrounding Tulsa area. So like, I definitely got to learn and know those different parts very well. And Tulsa, like, for example, yeah, it's definitely, the city is very segregated in the way that it's just kind of set up. Um, You know, North Tulsa is definitely, um, that's like where the black community is, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a poor community. Like that's just, that's just kind of like how, I don't know, everything kind of just got segregated that way. South Tulsa is where all the, <laughs> where all the money is. <laughs> so like that, you know, that area around the ORU and even, you know, further South of that is, is definitely where like the money is. East Tulsa, definitely a lot more. That's like where the Hispanic community really is. And even some, um, East Asian communities as well. Um, but yeah, so like, it's just, it kind of depended on like where, where you were (laughs) in the city, um, to kind of find some of that stuff. But, um, yeah, I, it's interesting because I, I definitely, I don't know if I could say like, I had very specific instances of like, well, that's not true. I mean, I, I definitely had some instances of like racism, um, particularly doing like the work that I did um, with other clients. And so I think there were just times where people would not like me because of the way, the way that I looked, they, you know, they, whatever, assumed that I, they assumed I was Mexican or they assumed something of me. Um, I definitely felt like I, depending on how I, 
I was dressed or how I did my hair. I could kind of blend into a lot of different cultures. So like I <laughs> was discriminated against as a lot of different cultures that were not necessarily the one that I was. So that's interesting. Um, <laughs> yes, sometimes because it, maybe I was Hispanic, but other times people thought I might have been Arab in some way that I yeah. was like, I've gotten a number of different things there. Um, <laughs> people thought I might be like, you know, part black. Like, so it just depended on like where I was and yeah. what was going on with my look at the time. <laughs> but um, I guess particularly when I was working, like I didn't, it wasn't something that bothered me so much because I was just doing my job. <laughs> so yeah. And I'm dealing in a lot of cases with like people who have, you know, mental illness and things like that. So like yeah. I just, things happen, things get said. And I just, you know, I try not to let those things bother me. Um, but there were certainly a, occasions where I felt out of place um, and where I felt like maybe I was being discriminated against in some way. I can't remember. I'm trying to think of a specific instance, um, but like nothing super blatant where I was like, oh my gosh, this person like hates Latino people or like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but certainly in like minor ways where I was kind of like, that's eh, a little weird, but you just kind of brush it off and just not really think about it. Um, but yeah, I think I was conscious of it. It's just kind of interesting. And Tulsa is an interesting place too, because I think it's a little more, Right, I know it is. It's a, it's a bit more um, liberal than like the rest of Oklahoma. Yeah, slightly. <laughs> it's like a slight, <laughs> slight little bit more of a liberal kind of thing. Then it's not, it's not quite as conservative as like Oklahoma City or definitely the rural, the rural parts of Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've definitely been in places where I felt uncomfortable, but. Not necessarily because there was anything in particular happening, but I just felt like everyone was looking at me. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. You mentioned your hair, and I'm going to bring this up only because it's probably stupid. But but for me, um, being half black, my hair was always something that I – this is going to sound dumb and over making too big of a do with my hair, but that was something that I was kind of reminding me that I was different because I couldn't do – especially as I got older, like I couldn't do white people hairstyles. I tried when I was a kid. Um, and it took me a while to realize that I wasn't fully white because my hair didn't work like that. Um, and then the way that my hair was kind of thick and kind of curly, but not tight, like I couldn't do, I feel like I, my hair made me look less black. Like when it was, cause I couldn't really, I tried doing a fro. I don't know if I remember a couple of times, like playing basketball mm -hmm. and stuff, I would try to like pick it out. Um, but because of, and so now I just shave it cause it's easier, but I remember your hair is like tighter curls than mine ever was coarse. Like. I don't know. I just, did your hair ever play into, like you talked about, like depending on where you were hair, people thought you were maybe a different ethnicity. Did your, you ever think about that actually like your hair or am I just being yeah, stupid? I, no, all the time. I, I still think about it now. Like it's just, yeah, it's, I mean, my hair is long. Like I haven't had it. I mean, right now it maybe not that anyone's yeah. looking at it, but like, it's, it's pretty <laughs> decently cool. long, but it's like tightly curled. So it still looks kind of short and stuck to my head. But I mean, it's just, I, I mean, I always hated my hair growing up just cause I couldn't, I couldn't do, yeah, I can do all the like cool, like white people hairstyles that were going on at the time. Yeah. Um, but so just, I always kind of had it short and I, and the older I got in general, like it definitely, like it got curlier and that is 
primarily, I mean, the curls are, are from my mom. Like that's, 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 that's her to thank for, for sure. Um, and then it's a little, just kind of the thickness definitely comes from my dad, but, but yeah, so like, it just was kind of always a, a thing that just bothered me um, just cause it was, and I don't know that I, I think as a kid, I don't know that it was so much like, oh, I'm like this because I'm Hispanic. It was just, I think I just was like, this is just the hair that my parents have. So like, this is what I, yeah. <laughs> this is what I got and I hate it and it's annoying because <laughs> I can't do, I can't look the way that I would rather look. Um, but like in college, that's when I, <laughs> I started to like really like experiment with my hair. So like I started to straighten it out and I'd like, <laughs> you know, I'd get a flat iron and just like straighten it or um, I'd chemically straighten it or, you know, I, I eventually moved away from that and would just kind of use a, a hairbrush and a, um, blow dryer and just kind of straighten it out that way. And so I did, I mean, I just have a lot of different hairstyles. So <laughs> it just depended on what was going on that day. And so people always commented, it's a comment I get all the time. And just that, just like, Oh, you have so many different looks. Cause like, just depending on the day, like I might wear it curly <laughs> or might straighten it out and to a side part or whatever, you know, whatever. <laughs> so like a back. I had, I think I had a, I had a mohawk at one point. Um, I did, I did a lot. <laughs> I did a lot to my hair. Um, I've dyed it different colors. Like it was, it was just like, you know, I bleached it at one point too. Like that was again, like just a desire to like, not have that just be different. Like I, want to have blonde hair so like i just yeah. kind of bleach it and see what that looks like which turned out horribly because it was really more of like a orange like color oh god it was it was not quite blonde but did you find out something that are you good with what you have now or are you still figuring it out um i mean i'm always kind of changing it i think in with like the pandemic life i just stopped cutting it because it was just i mean part i cut it in the summer when I went back to Tulsa um, for a visit, I was there for two weeks and I went back to my old barber who cut my hair. And so I just, I got it cut then. And then since then I just haven't touched it. So I'm just kind of growing it out to kind of see what happens. <laughs> um, but it's, I think it's just annoying. It's, the curls can be annoying cause it's just, they have to like, I think it takes me more time to do this than if I like just try to like, straighten the curls out and do something else. So it's just, it's one of those things, but you know, it just is what it is. <laughs> Sometimes I shave it short and it just, it's just easier to deal with that way. But well, that's, this is just easier. Plus I don't um, have as much as I used to. So in the winter I wear a lot of hats. So like, I don't really have to do it. It's just, it's, it's nice. And I'm smart. working from home mostly. So people don't really have to see me. So it's just kind of nice time to grow it out and see where things think things end up. But all right. I think the hair is certainly a giveaway. Yeah. Now, so like people definitely like spot me. Um, yeah. Although I will say the interesting thing about New York now is that what I usually get is people assume that I'm Jewish, and so like they come. Usually, okay. other Jewish people are coming up to talk to me because they think yeah. I'm Jewish, and they're disappointed when I am not. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's a whole other issue. Different. Story. Yeah, you got that ethnically ambiguous thing too, but you're actually latino like you're i mean you're yeah. mixed with a couple different latinos but you're latino and you still have that ethnically ambiguous thing yeah um, which is always fun so 
let's let's go a little serious now. We had some fun, but I I want to talk about um, being Latino and not I talked about and not being Mexican. Um, obviously, in recent years, the the border wall conversation, all that stuff. Um, I, there was a there was a decent stretch, and I, I don't even know if it's over or if it's better or whatever. But where uh, Hispanics were very much discriminated against, I think in this country, um, whether you want to blame the president or whatever, um, there was some anti-Hispanic stuff, and then racial tensions just in general at our all time. I feel like at an all time high in our lifetime, um, with you know in my city the death of George Floyd. Um, all these racial tensions, I, maybe this is a lot to just throw at you, but kind of like <laughs> racial tensions in America thoughts, like where are you at in all of this right now? Um, <laughs> I've got to figure out where to start. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, to start with like just the, the border situation, I think, I mean, I think in general, like, you know, the country has always had an issue with, minorities and um discrimination and and just kind of just some of the the in its history just you know with with immigrants and immigration so but um with the recent stuff i mean i i did i did get to i spent two weeks um working at the border with um with catholic charities uh i guess that was maybe two summers ago now i think (laughs) <laughs> it's it all blends together yeah. but yeah yeah um just because yeah that was in the middle of like when there were so many just people coming over the border and this was like you know and part of it was just like this fear for like you know at least the the caravanning um immigrants coming through was like just this fear of like the you know the trump administration building the border wall and like they're just not going to get through so like it was like this mess rush to the border it seemed like um and so um and i worked for catholic charities in dc at the time and so um the the catholic charities usa was looking for help for the for the diocese and and some of their border you know locations and so um i got dispatched to laredo and got to kind of work work there um for two weeks um at one of their essentially like kind of like border shelters. And so for the, all of the families coming through essentially when they would be released from, um, from ISIS, like they would get, what did I just say? Not ISIS, ICE, <laughs> sorry. It's different. <laughs> different, different, different situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when they would get released out of ICE custody, they would, um, border patrol would just bring them to, to the shelter and drop them off. And so, and they would just um, give them new clothes, you know, food, help them connect to whoever they were um, moving on to, the family members or whoever it is that they were moving on to see. Um, and so, you know, we'd let them call their families um, and, you know, take them to the airport or the bus station or whatever they had to do in the next day or a couple of days. Um, and so, um yeah, I mean, it was a lot because I think I think we had depended on the day, but sometimes I mean, and we weren't the only shelter there. Like there was two others while I was there um, that people got dropped off to. So like, at least the people coming to the to the shelter that I was at, um, we would probably see 
anywhere from like 100 to 200 people come through a day. Wow. Um, and so like I was, what I was primarily doing there was just kind of the initial intake of everyone like coming in. So just like getting all of the names of everybody, where they're going and, um, you know, just kind of those, those little details. And then I'd some, you know, greet them, send them on to their little way. So I used, I got to use, and that was, um, it was a lot to see. And these were, these were all like families coming through. Um, it wasn't any individuals. I think those people didn't get released out of, from, from border patrol. They definitely, they let the families through, but anybody who was kind of on their own just didn't, um, they were, they were, they were detained. So, um, but yeah, it was just, it was interesting to kind of, to deal with all that and just kind of be, see it all kind of in front of me as opposed to like watching it on the news or like kind of hearing whatever story the news wanted to to talk about to, you know and just hearing the spin but like really just kind of getting to see the actual people yeah um coming through from like everywhere i mean people were just like as far south as uh I think uh, like Chile and like, like I had like people coming from way down South America. Yeah. A lot of them were, you know, from Central America, but also had just like, just some people coming from like random places, even had just like some people who came from, I want, oh, I think it was Romania. Okay. Who like they flew, they came down to like, Mex- flew down to like Mexico City oh, and then okay. just joined the caravan on yeah. up. And so, I think it was Romania. I can't remember, but it was, it was a Eastern European country. Um, yeah. But anyway, it's just like, I think for me, it was really, I think it opened up, opened up my eyes a lot to kind of what was going on. It was really great to just kind of just be decent and humane to people coming through. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, people are coming traveling with their little kids and, you know, you've got single mothers or in some cases like families who just had to, who were like split up and just hoping to like reconnect with the, you know, their, their spouse and their other child who they got separated in the midst of like the border stuff. Um, But yeah, I mean, it, uh, it definitely changed my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It changed my perspective on things. You know, my mom, is an immigrant, you know, she, she came to the U S through the, the standard like U S immigration process. So like she went through the kind of the normal legal process to get here, you know, became a U.S. citizen. Um, but I think kind of recognize meeting all those people, just kind of under looking at, um, really kind of what they had to do to get here was just kind of unbelievable and listening to their stories. But, um, but then also just like kind of feeling that feeling like our country, not, not, not the entire country, but like obviously like just, you know, parts of our country were really, I don't know. It just seemed, it just seemed like a lot of hate. I think that, I think it just lacked a lot of compassion is really what I felt from the situation um certainly like understanding like okay yes like i get it like we have particular laws and 
and they're set up that way for a reason to like, you know, protect our, our country in general as a whole, but then also just like feeling like the, that the people were not being looked at as like, just as humans, but just yeah. as like this nuisance that needed to be dealt with harshly and, um, and with all the like family separations and all those different things that were going on. Like, I think it just was, I don't know. It was just a lot. And like, I think being there in person, like really um, opened my eyes, I think to not aside from just like what was going on on the border, but like, I think in general opened my eyes to like, really like some of the darker things going on in our country that I feel like I just kind of glaze over as like a, yeah, we've had these racial issues, but that's more of like a past tense kind of kind of thing. Yeah. There's obviously like people who still are racist, but not like a major problem in the grander like society. And I think um, that really kind of started for me anyway, just kind of like a an eye opening of just like, it's not really that way. It's just, I think it's it's a bigger problem than I probably allowed myself to to think it was for a long time. Yeah, I think any any discussions about uh, immigration control, about border walls, whatever, I think needs to, for me, needs to start with a place of empathy first, of like understanding that they're people. Um, like you said, laws in place and things to to protect the Ameri- our own American people that are already here. I get all that. But if you can't at least see and acknowledge that those are people, and most of us that have opinions about it and even the a lot of the people making the laws about it haven't been there like you have to actually see these people face to face um and i feel like there's a lot of discussion happening over here in the rest of the country and not enough uh looking people in the eyes and actually seeing them for who they are um yeah i mean it's just yeah i mean it was i mean just so many people coming through and just people i mean really just i think after just getting out through all out, out on the other side, just like really appreciative that we were even there to like help them and, you know, provide for the, the things that they need. And so, you know, it was um, yeah. a lot of people and people that I honestly, that I, I still think about, like there's just particular people that just kind of stick out in my mind. And I just kind of wonder like what they're, <laughs> what they're doing, like how things worked out for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, those people were going all over, all over the country to like every, every state, <laughs> like it didn't matter. Like their final destination was like every, every state in the country, basically. Yeah. So people going to Tulsa, I had people going, you know, to like DC where I was living at the time and, and the surrounding areas there. Somebody was going up to Montana. Like I just, just, I was, yeah. I mean, people were yeah. traveling. So crazy. You talked about your mom's, um, coming here legally and going through the process and stuff. Has she ever talked to you about what that process was like being, I don't know how old she was, but coming from Guatemala to America, like why she left, what it was like being a new immigrant to America? Um, You know, we haven't, I don't know that we've ever talked about like the specific process and like what she specifically had to do to get here. Um, We've definitely talked about like just her life um, getting here. I mean, I mean, she came here, to, I mean, like most other people who immigrate to America for just a better opportunity, better, you know, better life options. And so she, um, 
she moved, she came to new Orleans. That was her, her first stop there. Um, because she had a, it was a family friend. And so essentially she kind of worked as like a, like a housekeeper for that, for that person. Um, didn't know any English at all and really just kind of, you know, grew up or I should say she learned English, um, basically by like going to KFC and ordering food. Like she kind of essentially learned how to ask for order the food that she wanted, um, would only order that one thing. And then when she got tired of eating that one thing, she had to learn something else. And that's essentially how that kind of started. Um, and then from there, she moved to Los Angeles. And I don't remember the specifics of why she went over there. I think it was just like another family friend who lived out that way, who was like, I can help you get some work over here. Um, but yeah, that's how, I mean, then she met my my dad there basically through through my grandfather, my dad's dad, actually. Um, she, my mom knew him and then he like introduced her to my dad. So like it was... A whole thing but yeah <laughs> but that's, um that's, that, it impresses me um what what she went through like that's such a that's tough like not knowing like just learning enough english to order one thing from kfc and then having to teach herself like i can't imagine going to a new country and trying to yeah do she's like, like i just like i learned all the parts of the chicken basically is <laughs> is what she did to, to start learning english and so yeah yeah i mean and even when impressive. she met my dad like she's still wasn't great at English. Um, and my dad, I mean, my dad could, wasn't really that great. At, I mean, he spoke Spanish, but like he doesn't, my dad doesn't really speak Spanish but quite rarely. So like, I think okay. between the two of them, it was just kind of like <laughs> my mom learned, learned English, you know, by communicating with my dad. But, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. But anyway, um, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Jumping back, back into now present stuff. Um, I want to I want to get your perspective and then we're going to wrap things up because this this got kind of long. But I want to get your perspective on the death of George Floyd here in Minneapolis, where I am um, and and kind of the the more the, the Black Lives Matters movement. If that's I don't know if that's what they're calling this kind of modern movement. Um, what is your perspective, maybe as a Hispanic, but maybe just in general um, on this stuff? Because, again, I've, I've really only thought in terms of black and white because that's what I am and that's what my family is. Um, what has been kind of your perspective on this most recent stuff that the trial of George Floyd is, mm -hmm. is happening here in March here in Minneapolis. Um, so it's, it's getting talked about a lot more again. It kind of went away at the end of the summer, people stopped talking as much, but it's definitely the conversations are ramping back up again. Yeah. I mean, that was, a. Uh... it's interesting. Cause I think for me, it was, like, I guess because it was just so prominent also, but I think like you said earlier, like, I think it's definitely like in our lifetime that I can remember. Um, anyway, it's certainly like the big, like the, the racial tensions are so it hasn't been like this, you know, yeah. um, at least in our lifetime it, it, where we're in the, old enough to remember, uh, there was certainly the Rodney King riots and things like that, but like, I don't remember. I don't know how old I yeah, was when that happened, but yeah. too young to remember that. So, um, but yeah, so, so there's so many, so many different feelings uh, I think associated with that. But as a, as a Hispanic person, I think where, where I found myself 
struggling um, within the context of the conversation was like, how, where do I as a Hispanic person kind of fit in the, into this racial conversation? Because I felt like there's, um, there's the issue of certainly what the origins of our country and like kind of what, how, where racism came really originated from, at least in our country with like slavery and like what that conversation is and, you know, and how, where that has brought us to today. But as like a non-black person who still, I mean, you know, with, as, as someone, another minority, which certainly minorities have, are discriminate have issues with, with, with discrimination and have issues with, um, um, not necessarily being, yeah, I mean, I guess discrimination is the word. There's another word I'm looking for and I've lost it, but are not part, we're not part of, <laughs> we're not part of the white majority culture. So like there's, yeah. we're, and so in the midst of the George Floyd thing, I think um, aside from just the initial, just the anger and just, it's just a lot. There were so many conflicting feelings that I felt um, with that. So it was really kind of hard to like pinpoint. And I, I'm, for the purposes of time, I'm trying not to like beat all of that down. Um, so I'm trying to think of just like where I'm at. But you know, we I spent you know with my church actually. We had a the small group I was a part of. We spent the summer reading a book, um, uh, "The Color of Compromise." It's by um, Jamar Tisby. And essentially it was, it's about um, the Christian church in America and it's um, kind of complicity and in, in racism in, in, in America and, and how that's sort of throughout, you know, the history of, of, of America and how that's kind of played out in the different um, portions of, of racism and, and um, you know, the civil rights movement and all of that into to present day as well. Um, and it was fascinating because I think reading that book, I think really kind of helped me <laughs> with the internal feelings that I was like kind of struggling with, which was just aside from just the being upset with the way um, the legal system is set up and the way the, um, things are just allowed to play out with, you know, with George Floyd being killed like that out in public and, um, or not in public even like it's just all of that. But I think what I would, where a lot of my anger was coming from was feeling like the Christian church in America was failing in some way. Um, in the, in their response or in the most cases, lack of response um, to kind of what was going on. And so, and what is going on. And so I think the book, I think really kind of helped me, um, kind of recognize like where some of the, why I was feeling some of the things that I was feeling, but then also just kind yeah. of like understanding the broader historical context of like the way things have kind of played out in our, in our history and how um, the Christian church in America has sort of um, been a part of that and been complicit in that. And um, in, in a lot of ways promoted that. Um, but yeah, I think the struggle was just kind of like, how to, how do I become 
an ally in this situation as someone who in a lot of ways probably is also part of being in a society that wants to perhaps, you know, keep people like myself from my background from rising above, you know, their, their station. You know, I feel like I personally have been blessed, you know, to not necessarily feel that. Like I thankfully have not, you know, I didn't grow up poor with no money or, in a situation where like, I really had to struggle to like survive. Like, I feel like, you know, my was blessed enough to come from a family that was not necessarily wealthy, but like we weren't poor. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and now I've, you know, I was able to go to college and get my, you know, my degree and I'm working as a, you know, professional in the mental health field and, um, have been able to be, to be blessed in that way. But I also think some of that has been, for myself has been at the expense of like kind of being able to blend in in different places and so yeah. um so i think coming in what i feel like where i ended up at the end of all of this not that it's necessarily over but <laughs> um is kind of recognizing and starting to recognize like where have i tried to benefit in the system and how do I, and, and just thinking about like, how do I make, what do I do to like try and, I don't know, make, make, make change, you know? Yeah. Um, I currently, you know, work for an organization that does, that works with um, people coming out of, um, or who are involved in the criminal justice system. Um, you know, I'm still doing mental health work, but I'm working with people who have that those histories and, and work in those backgrounds and you know our agency as a whole has has always done a lot of work um with that but like the recent conversation has been like okay well what does that look like within our own program to ensure that we are combating racism like in in our agency like what are we you know where where are our blind spots there like what does that look like with um with equality and um the makeup of the people who are promoted and you know to to management like and and the like the board of trustees and the, the sort of individuals who are involved in that like where do we need to make changes and so we've had a lot of um a lot of meetings and a lot of discussions about about that in the in the month since um george floyd and so which has been nice, but I think it's also in general, just a daunting yeah. task. Cause I, it's, there's not a quick fix. And so it's certainly, it's a kind of recognizing like, this is like a long, this is a long journey to yeah. like really eradicate issues of racism in this country. Yeah, that's, it is daunting. And it is, I think a lot of people, um, throw their hands up or just don't want to deal with it because it is, it's not a quick fix. Um, is there, this time is going long and I want to wrap this up and, and let you get back to your life, but is there a final thought or one more thing that you want to say or make sure is said or a point to drive home to, to anybody that might be listening to this? Well, I mean, in regards to race, I mean, I think not that I have any answers that are going to fix anything, but, <laughs> um, 
I, I think as like a, someone who's working as a mental health professional and who, you know, works with people that like make changes in their life. I think what I have come to recognize is like the importance of, of, of truth and like keeping things in the light that if you're going to make any changes, you have to be honest about the situation you're working in, working with and what's going on and, and be able to like, you know, not try to, to skirt around issues. And so I think probably in the long run, when it comes to like making any sort of changes, like any lasting change is only going to happen if, if everyone can be honest about the truth about like what's going on around us. And, and from there, you know, start working on figuring out how to, how to make it better. Yeah. I mean, it's good. It, it is a lot. You're right. Um, but I appreciate you taking the time to join me today, give your perspective, which is, which is very different than, than mine, um, because we grew up in different places, different families, different heritage. So uh, I definitely appreciate your perspective. Thanks for joining me. And thanks for those of you watching. Join me next week on Mix in America. Mm-hmm.